0: This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Todd and John Sindlar from SeedCo join me today to talk about Dayback Calendar, the number one calendar tool out there. However, as usual, our conversation veers into many other topics. That's fitting because Dayback has been around since 2003, and even before then it was named something else. And so it's gone through all of the monumental changes in our FileMaker platform. So we actually get a nice history of developing in FileMaker as we trace Dayback's progression through the years. So we talk about how Dayback was back in FileMaker 7, when the Web Viewer came out, when FileMaker 12 hit, and now as an add-on in FileMaker 19. We finish the conversation with a quick discussion on empathy. It's not usual for us to think of what we do as an expression of empathy, but John clearly explains how that is so. Hey, John, welcome to the Context Podcast. How hey. are you
1: today? I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing good. I'm glad to have you here, and Todd is here. Hey, Todd. Hello, hello. Back again. Thanks. Yeah, I you know I was afraid once I said Todd's name, I was afraid that you two would just start talking and I'd never get a, a word in Edgewise because you two have gone you, you two go way back, don't you?
2: Yep, long time. I don't Didn't know. Didn't you exactly. did
0: surf together or something? No, oh. I don't
2: surf. John's the surfer. We used to run together. Yeah, we did some running, and I have I have watched John in a surf contest once, which was really really fun, actually.
1: Yeah, we camped but, out at the very tip of America.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the northwest corner, the very northwest corner. Well, no. lower 48, anyway. No,
1: that's right.
2: Yeah. That's right.
0: Didn't you tell me a story once of you guys like renting a van and or in your van on the beach? For yeah, that was week? it. That yeah. Was okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, soggy, a soggy coating experience.
0: Yeah, it was pouring rain. And so I love
2: the rain because, you know, in Southern California, it doesn't rain much. So up there, it rains all the time. So I, it was great. Even though it was pouring, everything was wet I, and it was kind of cold. I loved it.
0: John, you're in Seattle, so how is it up there right now?
1: It's good, you know. So it, it gets very dark here this time of year. Daylight savings just flipped, so we somebody said uh, on Twitter we had our last sunset after five PM since until Jan 26. Wow! Um, and but the sun is very low in the sky yeah. all day, and it yeah. is that, like kind of northern Italy raking light that just makes everything absolutely gorgeous. So yeah. when it's not overcast like it is today. It's just spellbindingly beautiful. But this is the time of year that I really like. Uh, September, October, November. Kids are back in whatever passes for school these days. The beaches are less crowded. The ferries are less crowded. The days are short, but the waves are bigger. And these are the, these are the money days out here in the Pacific Northwest. It's gorgeous. Um, how are your dogs doing? They're oh, good. Mine's getting a little older. Dude, t- t- Todd, the dogs were with us on that trip, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, sorry, they were just curled up at your
2: feet. It was two I'm two back. people and two wet dogs in a van.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty
1: good. Yeah, I met. We're, we're, I'm taking them to the beach tomorrow for another another adventure.
0: And I met them in uh, October of 2018 when Todd and I did that West Coast tour. So yeah, okay. because you're pretty a dog baby. person. How are your dogs? Oh yeah
1: my dogs are great
0: my dogs are good I've got three right now and we're fostering a fourth one yeah, yeah
1: no doubt I don't know if you guys saw on on, uh, on Facebook uh, Chioko just let everyone know she's got a litter yeah of seven they look gorgeous oh my god I
0: love I, I would love the deaf one I think she said she has one that's deaf yeah. love to love that. yeah. Yeah. today's episode is brought to you by Otto when you work in a development environment that involves a dev and production server, you need to deploy the files in a logical and consistent and secure manner. And it's tough to do this manually. Though we as developers have done it for many years, you no longer have to. Auto does all the deployment work automatically. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Auto and its accompanying auto-migrator file allows you to deploy a feature-rich file to the production environment with a couple clicks of a button. Whether scheduled or on the fly, these migrations happen with small files and even very large files. Auto works this way. It first backs up the production file and then closes it. It clones the developer version and then transfers the dev version to the production server. Then it performs a data migration and finally it opens up the new production file. With migrator and auto, you can upload one file to multiple servers at one time. Auto automatic server-to-server file migration. Well, uh, we uh, invited you on just to talk because you and you know you know you and Todd have uh, such a good history. Um, you um, and you are you know you're the creator of uh, Dayback Calendar. We'd love to hear more about that. So I think this is going to be just a great free flowing time. Um, I'm really interested in Dayback. I'd actually love to just go back and hear the whole story of, of Dayback. Do you mind talking a little bit about Dayback? No, that'd be great. <laughs>
2: long, <laughs> long time ago. Todd can interject. Far, far away.
0: <laughs> around
1: for a lot of it,
0: yeah. When I mean, did you start working on it? Yeah, tell us about it.
1: So I was at Cleveland Consulting. We were doing, you know, just professional services, custom software stuff, and we built a calendar. I'm not sure if it was for a customer or if, if we built it to become a kind of a lead generation product, but that was my idea is that we needed lead gen. We needed some product to let people in the community know who we were. So we built this thing called Cleveland Consulting Calendar, CC Calendar. Yeah. Um, and it was FileMaker layouts and, you know, kind of the, the way you did calendars back then. And it quickly became more fun to support than our big enterprise projects. I remember, you know, the phone would ring and if it was one of our enterprise customers, you know, the, the EDR thing had failed to Dynamics. and, there were, and if, But if the phone rang and it was one of our calendar customers, I knew that I was going to make their day in the next few minutes because it wasn't that complicated. And whatever they wanted to do, we could probably do. And that feeling um, has kind of never gone away. So eventually, um, the calendar got a little richer and got a little richer. And I realized that it could become a a business on its own. And so when I left Cleveland Consulting, I brought the calendar with me. And it became Seedcode Calendar and ran in FileMaker for a long time. And it was up and running in a product before seven. Because I remember when seven came out. Oh, wow. Yeah, during the ETS, you know. I mean, people who were alive, you know, us old people remember <laughs> that the FileMaker 7 ETS wouldn't open, um, you know, the early builds. It, they wouldn't That's open right. anything built in an earlier ETS build. So it's not like you could have this file and just kind of, kind of keep opening it in new versions. You had to build whatever you were working on from scratch every release, every new ETS release. So we built the calendar. I mean, when I say we, you know, me and anybody that I could get to listen to me, we, would, we built the calendar every week. And sometimes we'd use relationships for every cell in the month. Sometimes we'd use a record with seven portals instead of 42 portals. And nobody really knew what to make of this new architecture we had in seven. So we were all kind of inventing it on the fly. I remember it being a very creative time for, for everybody who was in that program. <laughs> um, and eventually we kind of figured out what was fast and what was, you know, and we had theta joins for the first time in relationships. And we're like, what's going on? And, I mean, it was, it was really cool, but it, it was a FileMaker calendar with no JavaScript or anything for a long, long time.
2: Well, and, one, of the things I, one of the things I remember in the, I don't know when exactly it happened, maybe around that time, but you, I think this is right, you had this, I remember saying to you something about, oh, you built a data provider. And it was because uh, I, I was looking at some other programming environment or something, and i had seen something about, yeah, you just get some data and you feed it to this widget and then it draws itself. And you, you had done that, like you were building arrays of data from filemaker layouts, um, using like you know some text format that you invented, and then you just fed that to your layout, and it would draw the calendar.
1: Yeah, it was like so, you know, an early virtual list idea. I was thinking about yeah, yeah, right, right. your, your comment about that just yesterday. You were looking at flex. That's right. Yeah, the, term the the widget, the model, and the data provider. Yep. And that terminology has, that's a very durable way to think about software. I, 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 it comes up a lot.
2: Yeah, it's this idea that, you know, this thing you're building is going to take data in a certain shape, right? And how the data is generated doesn't really matter. Like it, it can come from many different places, can be built in many different ways, but as long as it conforms to a certain shape or a spec, yeah. then your widget should be able to handle it. And you were, I think that calendar was the first like, pretty pure expression that i had seen of that in, in FileMaker. I didn't really know, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of experience in other languages at the time. I was just toying around with Flex. But, um, but I, I think that was like the first one I ever saw like that.
1: Yeah, and it, I, it was interesting because it, it, it showed up in support. You know, you'd have a problem with the calendar. And so we had these little functions that instead of destroying the variables that were these data providers, we would leave them on. And yeah. so you turn on this little switch and then you'd look in the data viewer and there would be all your data. Yeah, that's right. And pipe delimited was my ridiculous format at the time. And because I didn't want any extra characters from a, you know XML or anything. I didn't even know what JSON was. Um, and you would look at this pipe delimited thing and you could quickly spot any anomalies. Cause it just didn't look like, you know, a grid of pipe delimited data in some cases, because a record would have a bad date or a bad uh, who knows, right? And that distinction carries through even today to support, you know, we have engineers that work on the Data provider side. Yeah. And we have people who specialize on the widget side. Um, and it's, yeah. Hey, let, let,
2: let's let go back to this, this virtual list idea because virtual list came up around that uh, maybe then or so shortly thereafter. But I'm trying to remember the early versions of that were
1: using portal rows or repeating fields? So we used both. Okay. Um, and I remember, you know, it was, it was also a good time in, 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 fi- in my life as a FileMaker developer because there was a lot of theory. You know, you're trying to figure out what's the fastest way to do things. Yeah. So at the time and still, um, repeating fields, well, not still, but then repeating fields were the only native horizontal That's array right. we had. So if you wanted to do something that would expand with the window where each cell would get proportionally bigger, the only control object, we, the only controller, the only object we had that would do that was repeating field. So we did use repeating fields to go horizontal and we yeah. used records. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, And they would stretch, right? That was the other thing as a repeating
2: field. It would stretch. That's right.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. So, to, you know, fast forward, we wanted to make something as behaving sexy and looking sexy. And this ended up using a lot of stacked objects. Yeah. 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 all on top of each other, right? In order to get the, the frame of the event to be the right size. Cause if you wanted to draw the event, you know, from 8am to 9am and then have a gap for the 10am event, well, man, what, how did you do that? And so it was one object for the rectangle and another object for the text. It was actually a different object for the first line of the text. And then for the the text that would, you know, cause the text had to fill the box, but get no bigger. And like nothing did that in browse mode. Yeah. So It was actually portals on top of portals that were offset by a pixel and you know at the end we ended up with a very complicated layout that looked amazing but was hard to modify like
2: yeah i I remember because at that time i started doing some work um, doing customized uh, calendar implementations for people Mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty hairy there was really sometimes you just had to get to john and say what's the stacking order here? Because there yeah. that was, there was so many objects stacked up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we never, you know, it was cool. Cause I mean, until that point, I didn't even know there was a stacking order in FileMaker. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, so you really felt like you were digging into things that were super cool. But, but at the end of the day, the object ended up being very complicated. And there were some great tricks in it. You know, like we had a, a Gantt chart way back in the day.
2: That's right. And
1: so how do you make this bar that's just the right length, you know, pixel per, per specific length. And we didn't have web viewers and, and the way we did it was just this kind of like brute force way and there were tons of the And I always associate this kind of thing with Todd, you know. Every once in a while Todd would come up with this thing that sounded like it would be incredibly slow in FileMaker but turned out to be incredibly fast. You know, these he was great at these counterintuitive things and and this was one of them. In order to draw this Gantt chart, we had I forget how many it was, like 1500 container objects. And they were all these mask bars, so transparent PNGs of just the yeah. left or right cap of the bar. And he <laughs> pixel longer than the ones right and we just had a calc that would pick the right ones and boom it drew a bar and like you'd think that would just be the slowest thing in the world but yeah, and, and, and the reason yeah. that worked yeah the reason that
2: worked is because uh you could actually yeah you you could make your pixel very tiny and then it, then it would stretch to fill whatever container field space was in and that was pretty good that didn't take a lot and then there was only one picture like like um you wouldn't, you know, if you were calculating it from, from some storage location, if it was a calculation, there was still only one, That's right. one picture that was being used in all those places. So it didn't, it wasn't anywhere near
0: as heavy as you expect it to be.
1: The number of possible pictures didn't matter,
0: right? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was so, in,
0: cool. so, so Dayback Calendar, you started before the big FFP 7 switch. No, it was after. It was after. Yeah. I thought you said it was before. Okay. So
1: calendars we remember were after, but we had a calendar before seven. Yeah, that's right. Simple, you know? Okay. Got it. But then when
0: seven came out, you were, you were reconstructing, you were creating Dayback about that time. I think 2003 is when you said you started, right? We didn't come
1: up with a name, you know, Todd actually came up with a name for Dayback. We didn't come up with a name until um, much later. It yeah. was still Seed Code Calendar then, but that's when we had the ambition to build something that looked better than Google Calendar. We wanted to build something that really looked like a first-class app, and that's why all the all the crazy gymnastics around the layout and and, and then you know the uh, you know Jason Young, who does uh, so much for us now and uh, is the architect of Dayback in Salesforce, and you know he and I were trying to figure out how to get drag and drop to work, right. And Todd, you know, and I were talking about this all the time. And that was the other big challenge. It's like, well, we made this beautiful calendar, but people want to drag an event to another place, again, before web viewers. And figuring that out was the other big kind of like engineering achievement that was so fun and sexy. And, you know, so I- you got work, that to work before a web viewer. Yeah. You got the drag drop to work. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, the most bulletproof thing in the world, but it really did work. And it, it was, and we were all incredibly proud of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that that
0: whole, you know, I, I, I'm in the community a lot. I see definitely debates about um, between using FileMaker objects only and you know JavaScript stuff, and you know, and that's fine. The debate's going to happen. The discussion. Hopefully, people will expand, but. Well. Dayback was exactly that. It was all FileMaker stuff. It, every little piece every, of it, every little inch of it, yeah. It yep. was FileMaker. And you're just saying that it was way too complex back then. It could still run today. It could yep. that, that version could run today in FileMaker 19, I assume. Probably could.
2: Have you taken one out, John, and tried it?
1: No, I I, I open one every once in a while. I think I mean it renders. Yeah. But you know, like a lot of things changed. Like the way we used, to, you know, we didn't have hide calcs then. So the way we used to hide things was different.
2: That's right. And there's also the rendering order shifted quite a bit a few versions back. It probably would be.
1: Yeah. So there were things. I would love to say that I just came to my senses and decided we needed to make a simpler layout. But actually, when FileMaker introduced the CSS, they radically changed the way layouts drew. That's right. And all my little techniques just got super slow. Yeah. I remember very clearly making a Photoshop image of the bug number tattooed on my knuckles from that ETS. Um, of the, it was a grid of a thousand objects, just a thousand squares on a layout. And in the previous version of FileMaker, you could move your cursor smoothly across the grid. And in this version, once your layout object count got big enough, the mouse would hop across the grid. Yeah. And it, it, what the sign to me was that, John, you've got too many objects on your layout and you're not going to be able to convince FileMaker that they should engineer for that. You're going to have to figure out a way to do this with much fewer objects. And that's why we went to the web viewer.
0: But that, and they've said, in, at least in the last five or six years, that we shouldn't rely on layout tricks anymore because was, was Dayback full of, quote, layout tricks or was it? more object tricks so
1: we could have a whole podcast on all the great layout tricks. i'm so proud of
0: every little one of them (laughs) name name a couple of them we're not supposed to use them now they say there's no guarantee about what's rendered when and yeah
2: it's layout order it's the render order that's changed but some of these tricks would still work
1: some of the things how do you make make
2: a colored square of a certain um how do you make a colored square right how do you do that right Right, um, we would
1: you know we would use these weird fonts and just change the font size so that the font blows past the borders in the field. And how do you make dynamic? How you can style it with a calc. Yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. drag and drop. You know that whole trick of of having these kind of faux objects that have invisible container. You know invisible objects in container fields. Yeah. Um, picking up that you know this. So you 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 put your cursor in a field and you drag the container to another field. You have a trigger, an on enter trigger that says where you grabbed it from, and then you have an on object modify trigger. This is where you dropped it to. Yep. And those triggers have to fire in the right order. And, but once they do, you can under the hood, move the object and drag and drop has worked. And you're like, wow. Um, I remember, uh, Jason Young was not an employee of ours at that time. He was just in the the Seattle user group and I'm working on this problem and I'm showing it to the user group about this drag and drop thing. And he would just kind of watch those meetings. And then that evening he would send me a file with whatever it was just working. (laughs) <laughs> and I was so like infuriated. and I couldn't tell if we were collaborating or competing, or he was just like <laughs> trolling me. Um, but it was it was amazing.
0: Your your version of Dayback was working just fine, but then FileMaker Inc. Cl- uh, Claris they introduced the CSS it was 12. In, twelve in twelve, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: and that caused you caused all sorts of problems in Dayback right? Is that too blunt of a way to say it?
1: Well, <laughs> no, it, it's not the problem. The other problem we were running into is that we, is it, um, I mean, this is kind of, I like these kinds of things because while it, you know, it's fun to talk about your personal projects, you know, this is our history as technologists and as, as FileMaker people. It's important to preserve this history somewhere. These are interesting topics. So one of the things that also happened at that time is that FileMaker had optimized theta joins for when you were using both greater than and less than in the same relationship yeah. pair. FileMaker or or calendars tend to use date range relationships. Yeah, right. They use greater than and less than. And I remember at DevCon they would do these under the hood sessions. This was when those things first started. And Andy getting up there um, with John Thatcher and saying, Hey, we've we've optimized this for theta joins. So now if you do that, we're not going to get all the before records and all the after records and then find the intersection. We're just going to get the intersection and here's this chart of how much faster it is. And I was like, oh my gosh, they have unlocked this for calendars, thank God. But I should have asked more questions because they optimized it for date ranges, but they didn't optimize it for timestamp ranges.
2: Mm.
1: And that's what Dayback used. And so we, all, we had this other problem where once the total number of records in your database got around 30,000, it started to slow down. And that told me that we needed to render this whole thing with something other than relationships. And something other
2: than filemaker layout objects. and
1: something other than <laughs> that's right. yeah. And,
2: and this was also the time when the web viewer was was uh, had been introduced into Filemaker, and it was clear you could do you could do interesting things there. It just was there was a
1: yeah. lot of hacking and workaround stuff you had to do to make it work. Yeah. I mean, it was clearly you. I don't know that everybody, I mean, I, you know, I'm forever eating my words or I thought the web viewer was just a stunt that Rick Kalman pulled out cause they didn't have anything else to show that year. I was <laughs> so wrong about the web viewer, but Todd was right. That was the year Todd showed how to reproduce the, uh, the record slider, uh, in HTML. Oh, yeah. And- but you couldn't have created
0: Dayback right when in, in the web viewer, right when it was written, introduced because as i understand javascript wasn't working in the the web viewer at 8.5
1: right no it it wasn't um it was 8.5.3 before the fmp url was recognized um but we made a good decision you know we're not always the most um the best at this kind of thing but uh the seat code team got together and we decided we were going to skate to where the puck is going to be not where it was and so we um (laughs) didn't, didn't plan to support any contemporary browsers just what was on the roadmap for Google um, and we didn't worry about the current version of FileMaker and we just got to work and it took a long time to build what's now the basis of Dayback. And that's why, you know, parts of it are quite old, you know, it's got Angular 1.2 in it, <laughs> but less and less every day. <laughs> um, but that was, those, were so, good decisions. To, so to When make. did the, um,
2: uh, when did that, first launch, was that, it was that, so that was after FileMaker 12, because that was, that was the big push. So it must've been shortly thereafter, right?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad at that date stuff for a guy who makes calendars for a living. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, it was, it was cool. And, and, you know, it was disappointing at the same time because what I loved about Dayback, because there were web viewer calendars before Dayback. Yeah. You know, as soon as the WebViewer came out, people thought that you could, they're like, oh, you can do this. You don't have to use John. All these layouts that John's doing, and and I was, I, I thought those were um, really mistaken attempts at first because I was like, well, that's great. You can make something beautiful, but no filemaker developers ever going to be able to mod it. That's right. Um, and and that was that sadness kind of stayed with me. I was like, wow, we're we're going to make something beautiful, but nobody's going to be able to change it. Well, I just wasn't thinking very clearly. I mean, ma- making something that's customizable in that space is still super possible, and. You know, we've really got something that people are customizing radically all the time, and and they're making the kind of customizations that were just so laborious when everything was layout objects. Can, can you go back for a second and talk about because I think this
2: is super important and something that's really kind of near and dear to me too? Is this is um, is why you care about people being able to mod it? Well, I mean, yeah. So you know, I mean, obviously, there. I, I think it's more. Maybe let me let me flash that out a little more. It's more than just. Um, it makes a better product, quote unquote, because that's certainly true, but there's something else about it to me. And I think, uh, for, you know, from hearing you speak about this, I, I think you feel kind of the same way. There's something about ownership that happens to people, you know, like something about, um, you know, ownership over the product when they can get in there and start, and start yeah. tweaking it, that takes it from something that is quote unquote product and something that's more like, um, uh, you mean you use a lot of different words, art, craft, whatever, but something that people really, really want to do. Yeah. And they, and there's a there, there's um, I think you used to use the word that it, it makes it a co-creation.
1: Yeah, that's right. It it does make it at, you just kind of
2: dump at somebody, and they get to do what you told them to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a business reason, you know, you, you just can't make it if everything has to be if it can't be customizable. And right. the other thing is that you can't build the last ten percent for anybody. You know, they have to be able to take it across the finish line because the last 10% is so varied. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think what we are trying to do for our customers, I mean, you, Todd, me, everybody who's a developer, right? In some sense, we're trying to recreate for other people what Biomaker did for us. We're trying to give other people that experience. We got this application that taught, told a bunch of people who like you know hadn't gone to school for this or anything that like we could make incredible things that we were proud of. Yeah, we're trying to give our users that, that experience. Yeah. And that's why it's got to be customizable and not just customizable by people who, you know, really know what they're doing with JS, but customizable by anybody who has something that they want to, because we were there, you know, we were the people who like built something that nobody thought we could build. So you, you provide, you
0: but you provide a way for it to just work too, right? I think that's, you know, Todd and I talk a lot about that too when it comes to customization things, um, especially when we built the add-ons and such. It has to work out of the box, right? Um, but you also figured out a good way to give me the ability to customize anything in Dayback. Um, I guess there would be a limit to what you gave to us to, Is there a limit or is it everything about the calendar can be customized?
1: I mean, the layout, the limit gets pushed every day. Um, I mean, one way to think about it is that, you know, you can inject JavaScript into the head of Dayback, just like you inject JavaScript into the head of your WordPress site. And like in WordPress, the limitations are really like, well, what can you address with JavaScript? Can you put it in the head? Can you put it in an individual event? Can you, can you fire JavaScript when you click on an event? Can you fire your own JavaScript when you drag an event? And, you know, when we released Dayback, there were like three of those hooks, you know, like on render, on click. And now there are dozens um, and you can, you know, you can execute your own. And when I say JavaScript, I mean that literally you use JavaScript, but what you're often doing is having JavaScript call a FileMaker script. So you can intercept any of these processes in Dayback. I mean, the most simple one is everybody intercepts the save process. They're like, hey, before we let you save that event, we're just going to check to make sure that, I don't know, the customer's paid or whatever. They're going to perform some routine, some FileMaker script they've already written to validate their data. Right. Um, but people are intercepting all sorts of other uh, things too. They're saying, hey, when you, jump, when you switch over to resource view, if the scale is more than uh, two years we're going to omit a whole class of events from the, from the view because, you know, you just don't need to see them at that scale. Or when Joe logs on, we're going to find out what time zone he is and switch the whole calendar to that time zone and then remove all the resources that aren't Joe's direct reports. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, it's not like you can customize everything. And certainly at some point you really need to know what you're doing with JavaScript. But every day we write these example JavaScript actions for people and publish them. So what's really cool about this now is that we're the other thing we're able to give to customers is that you know I learned javascript by modifying that's right yeah. stuff people had written and it was just a lot easier than spinning up stuff from scratch and that's what our filemaker customers are doing with dayback they're copying you know what 12 lines of javascript pasting it into the calendar seeing what it does and then they're changing it and like that's awesome <laughs> no node server no spinning up no compile, yeah. just clicking around in there. And, you know, we put a, we put syntax highlighting in there. So if they make like syntax errors, they light up yeah. and out you can go pretty far with that.
2: Yeah. So you're, so you're getting people uh, at that moment when they're most engaged, which is they're in the middle of a problem they're trying to solve and you're giving them, you know, 90% of what they need to do it. And then they can just t- take it that last 10% and they've made a change to something. And that's just such a reinforcement on on the learning process and also just on the excitement and passion and pride you have for what you're doing.
1: Yeah, pride for sure. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, you know, you want to be able to make it look exactly the way you want and customize the appearance and everything. But um, it's always been customizing the behaviors of these things that are that are difficult. Yeah. Um, and that's what's so exciting about Dayback is that, you know, not just, you know, FileMaker developers are used to having 100% control over what they're but Salesforce developers are not; they're not used to being able to just change anything about the application because they want to. So when they get a hold of Dayback, they're like, "Oh, you mean we can change what happens when you drag an event like mm-hmm. right then with a like a user facing dialogue or bring up another?" You know, and And it's very um, it's 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 empowering. What so you you
0: switch to a web viewer? I'm going to try to get back to the um, the. the the progression here, you switched to the web viewer, you, you decided to look at JavaScript. Did you look around for, for JavaScript libraries that could build calendars? What did you settle on? How, how, how hard was that process to find something to replace all of your layout objects that created the calendar?
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's good. So, you know, Tanner was um, is, is the developer who built the, everything in David, all the interface stuff. It's his, it's his app. When we were first doing it, we looked at Full Calendar, which was the, the which is the engine that we kind of settled on the the month grid. Uh, and knew how to transform a date, knew how to make a you know drag an event, knew how to make an event longer, make an event two days on the month view. And there were a bunch of other templates that were more complicated, and some of them are, are still kind of richer um, that are based on like you know different you know just different frameworks. But well, we we picked the simplest and and, and smallest thing that we could. In Full Calendar is actually now much more complicated than than what's in Dayback. You know we we've we started with a, an early version of full calendar. So it's, it's really quite simple. And I remember Tanner very clearly saying, John, if we use this, cause it's got all these constraints, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be embarrassed with our, with our first version. You need to let me write this thing from scratch. And, and I, you know, I think one of the good decisions we made is like, well, we're going to be embarrassed with our first several versions <laughs> and that's the way it should be. Um, and, but we're going to start with this because we need to we need to get this in the hands of people and learn if this is going to work. And that was a, a good decision. And now many of the views in there, horizon view and pivot list view and the things we're really proud of, they have nothing to do with full calendar. Yeah. Um, and, and Tanner now, you know, Tanner is a very different. De- this is the thing you don't realize, right? Like Tanner's a very different developer than he was when he started it. Yeah. It's not that the app has changed, you know we've changed our customers change our ambitions have changed and so yeah there's some full calendar code in there but he knows it backwards and forwards and that's why we can you know we can release new versions three four times a week because we are very fluent in, in modifying and customizing this thing whereas i think if we'd picked a richer framework to start with we might not have gotten there okay. but you know you don't you don't know you know you don't know what you don't know or what you didn't do um, you can only live one life at a time. So you, you don't really know the path not taken.
0: What 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 is, you mentioned a couple things that Dayback has in it. What what are all of its components? Can you list them out for us? You mean like- uh,
1: Yeah, the- what is it having in it? What, it? what are its major features or views or, or functionality? Yeah, I would
0: just say we, we haven't actually
2: described it anywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's got day, week and month views with times on them. So you can see where you're supposed to be at like 8.30 in the morning. That's one thing a calendar does is tell you where you're supposed to be at eight o'clock but we wanted to build something that would tell you what you're supposed to be working on. Like it's kind of a different problem. So it's got this other view called horizon. It's like a Gantt chart and can be very long Uh, anyway, 14 days to, I don't know what it's at now, like 30 centuries. Um, And that can break out events kind of like sub summary reports by resource or by status and let you drag things around and and a lot of filtering so that you can take a very, very complex schedule that you couldn't understand at a glance because all the events would be on top of each other and break it out into a grid of some kind that you can make sense of. And that grid is usually um, associated with resources like people or trucks or business processes. So you can take this complicated series of events and actually like make sense of them. So it's got this you know, drag and drop calendar. It's got an analytics engine that charts the values in the calendar against uh, thresholds. So you can see if you're you know meeting or exceeding your goals, be that goals about money or time or allocation. Um, and then it's got a sharing kind of bookmarking feature where you can snapshot these things either so you can come back to them later or so you can share them with people who aren't in your filemaker solution, who don't have access to your data. they just need to see the schedule?
2: I, so, I, the I, I just um I want to point out, I think the calendar analytics thing is really amazing. And you know one of the things you look around in calendars and you'll see you'll see a lot of uh, calendars, and they may differentiate. They, themselves on being differently styled. But for the most part, calendar functionality has not changed a tremendous amount in a, in a long time. But but Dayback has a couple of features, and actually more than a couple, that are really innovative, I think. And one of them is the calendar analytics. And it's a little, it it's hard to visualize maybe unless you've seen it. But if you can imagine a week view with seven columns and you've scheduled events on each day, at the bottom of that, you'll see a graph of how much of your time is used at the bottom of that calendar. So it overlays the analytics right on top of the calendar. And it's 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 great because everybody's used to thinking about their time and their commitments in terms of the basic calendar graphics, day, week, and month view. And now you get this analytics view, which kind of just superimposes on top of it. Uh, and I just think it's brilliant. And there's actually a number of things that you've done there. The, you, you, you also talked about the horizon view, which is also great for dealing with commitments and how, how much time have i actually committed to in the, in the near future. Um, Another visualization way, another way of visualizing what's, what's coming, which is always where I find myself. And uh, anyway, there's just, it's really cool to see all this innovation in calendars, period. I mean, I, I think you're doing things that just, you just don't see in, in any platform anywhere.
1: Yeah.
2: It's working in FileMaker. Great. It's just, Fantastic.
1: Yeah, Todd and I are definitely on the same page about this. And Todd, you know, we we talked about this a lot when Dayback was in like the early stages, um, and the idea that you know the, that calendar, that month grid is like unchanged since the Middle Ages. Yeah. And, and if you think about a date as a database designer or as a layout designer, you know, the point of the month grid was to determine what day of the week an event fell on which was an ecclesiastical need, right? Is it, a, is it close to market day? Is it close to a, to a liturgical day? But that's not the problem our calendars are trying to solve for us. Our calendars are about how far apart events are, how much space do I have between this meeting and that deadline or that presentation? And, and that's what Dayback was trying to get at. So we really are trying to do these things that aren't done in traditional calendars. And that's, the, that's kind of the most fun. You know, Todd and I worked on GoZing together And it was driving around demoing, gozing to people where a lot of these ideas came up because we were kind of like, you know, how much effort do we want to put into a new calendar? We had this thing that worked in FileMaker Layouts. We knew that doing it for the web viewer was going to be a massive undertaking. Um, And it would be a shame to do this massive undertaking and get it something that was just like what we had before. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we do know that like, you know, there are other calendars out there like Google. And so we were kind of asking, like, what can't Google do? you know, what can't these other big calendars do or what I'm going to do.
2: And I I think about that conversation, I think we were talking also about our own lives and how we were making commitments that we weren't even sure that we had the time to, to do. And we just felt like, like, you know, they're just, it was really hard to manage, manage our, uh, our, our time. And there was something about like, I just want to get, I think it was, we said something else. I just want to get like, get my time back, get my day back. And that's kind of where the, where the came from. It was like, how do we get to manage a day without feeling stressed? How do we get our day back?
1: I, I remember Todd very clearly being like, you know, when you work for yourself, you, on any given day, there's a great reason to work 20 hours. That's right. And also like, you never really know you're done. That's right. And he was, I remember him saying, I just want to know at the end of the day, I've done enough. <laughs> I, can, I can step away now.
2: And how can I get my? How can I get the rest of my day back? Yeah,
1: right.
2: yeah. yeah, it was cool. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think you know. I mean, we you know we talk about add-ons, and we've been talking about add-ons and web viewer stuff and FileMaker for a long time, and and often we're talking about just bringing in these interfaces that we use in other applications, calendars, rich text editors, whatever. Um, and you've certainly done that, but you've taken it way beyond that in some of these really innovative ways, which, I mean, I just think we need more innovation in the calendar space. So I'm just, I'm just still just so thrilled to see all the new stuff that you're, that you're putting out.
1: Thanks. Yeah. We're, we're, we're psyched. And I mean, you know, owning a product and having a product and, you know, whether it's written in FileMaker or anything else is, is crazy and incredibly rewarding and fun. And, but the tough part is it's like saying no to a million good ideas every day. Yeah. Of all the things you can do, you know, what, what, what do you do? Yeah. And I hope we're making the right decisions there, but this is the this is kind of a secret advantage that we had trying to build this thing because they're you know we're competing against these calendars in Salesforce and in other other platforms. but we had these filemaker users who were using our pre web viewer calendar and we knew what they wanted and we knew all these customizations that they'd made, and that was kind of like our advantage this is we weren't just trying to you know build these features out of nothing we knew from our filemaker folks what what kinds of things people were trying to do and what what challenges they were solving. And so it was very cool to be able to not only build it, but build it so that it could be customized. Speaking of
0: FileMaker, Dayback uses my events from my event table, right? Right, right. Um, When I install it, we're going to talk about the add-on in a bit, but when I install it, it comes with sample events already, so I can see how it works. But it also can connect to other calendars, Google Calendar, my... Outlook calendar or, you know, office 365, right? Dayback can connect to any calendar out there.
1: Well, not any, we, you know, we've built these, these, you know, connections right? Yeah. Right, to, right now to Basecamp, Google, Google sheets, uh, office 365 and Salesforce.
2: So Google sheets is interesting. Yeah. is not flexible, right? People can, there's a million ways to get data into a, into a Google sheet. Yeah. Now you can just throw it on your, on your calendar.
1: Right. So if I want to see my my Stripe transactions in the calendar, Google Sheets is the intermediary. You know, if I want to see really any external data source that we don't have a connection for yet, there's probably an automated connection to Sheets. And so that can become a source. The other use case we have for it that we didn't really realize is that we have folks who are migrating from some old solution and they're like, "Well, you know, this is going to be great going forward, but what do we do about our like 4 million legacy events?" Should we just look at the old calendar for that? No, you can import those into Google Sheets. <laughs> then you have two sources: Google Sheets for the old stuff and FileMaker or Salesforce for the new stuff. And according to the calendar, they all look the same. And it's it's kind of nice that way.
2: Yeah, I, think that, features, I think that's something else calendar. that is. I mean, a lot of calendars let you sh- like bring in other calendars um, and things like that and and overlay them on the same screen. But you had this way back. Like I remember even in the in the in the pre-WebViewer stuff. You had this this idea of sources, and so you could actually bring data from different sources uh, in the FileMaker in your, in your FileMaker tables. In again, right. another super powerful customization that lets you visualize really any data as a
1: calendar. Yeah, that's the, that's the key. Is you know you've got these all these events, and you know it goes back to what you and I were talking about in the car way back then. You don't know if you can promise somebody something unless you can see that promise in the context of all your
2: promises.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. They're not all in FileMaker,
0: man. Yeah. They're all over the place.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It, can back connect uh, sync between my my
1: events table and my Google Calendar? Yeah. So this is a, you know, you, you got two people on the phone who are most the most skeptical about what can be done with the word sync. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so uh, no, it can't sync, um, but it can push uh, push events from one source to another. Okay. Um, and we do that a lot for a couple of reasons. You know, one is you may have a, a Calendly source, for example, that you use to block off your availability. But there's no one Google Calendar that's really your availability. It's half of this Google Calendar, this kind of event in this Google Calendar, and a couple of your FileMaker tables. So great, Dayback can push those that subset of events and keep them updated in this destination calendar that you use for Calendly, which is great. Changes made over there are not coming back down to to Dayback. It's not a sync or coming back down to FileMaker, but it can, um, you know, replicate or copy. Yeah, uh, It's often a use case that you want things on more than one calendar. Yeah. Um, I want it in FileMaker, but I also need to let my wife know that, that that that's when my, you know, trip is, or that's when I'm speaking at the conference or whatever. So that kind of thing also makes sense is to just, you know, use it for replication, but but when customers ask about sync, we, they're often asking about uh, sharing. They're asking about, hey, I've got a user. I can't pay for a FileMaker license or I can't get them one or I don't want to pay for a Salesforce license, but they need this data. My first thought is to just get it on their native Google calendar. But there may be other things. You, so we, we built a sharing mechanism in Dayback that lets you kind of publish the calendars a, a read only URL. And that, and what goes with it are all the other tables that you've created, all the other fields, all the other sources, any you know the views, this horizon view, so that your constituents can see what you see, yeah, as opposed to what Google Calendar would have let them see with some kind of you know subset of that.
2: where are calendars headed in the future what 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 have you done lately? That's interesting well, um something I really liked that you recently did. Let's see,
1: yeah, Let's see if you have um, an idea. <laughs> I mean, we've we've been, so, you know, Jeremy was saying that our calendar comes with sample data. I think this was something we learned a long time ago is that customers need sample data in their apps in order to make sense of them, especially when they're starting. And with these long time scales and day back, you know, these horizon views that can go uh, hundreds of years into the future in the past, people just don't have that kind of data in their Google calendar. Even if they want to do intergenerational planning, you know, even if they're working on things like climate change or green belts or cities, things that take generations. Their Google Calendar doesn't have any events like that. So, we needed a way to, to show them what was possible. And Jason at, at Seed Code suggested well, you know, everybody kind of has the past in common. We could make sample data that represents things in the past. So, we've made these calendars about the history of women's suffrage. Um, and we did some calendars around the election on like the history of voter suppression and felony disenfranchisement. And, and we're going to do some more on the history of flight and the, you know, the eradication of polio. But Within these long time, like like the history of women's suffrage, there are these stories within that, these little threads with it, that we wanted people to be able to see the connection between these three or four events on this calendar. So we've introduced this idea of threads. And when you make a thread, you kind of connect these events with a thread, you get a play button. And when you click play, the calendar will kind of spin through these events and, and light up the different events in this thread amongst all the other events kind of in that bigger story. Um, And so you can use that to look at these particular themes inside the history of women's suffrage, or you could look at that to see all the speaking engagements within your social media calendar or, or any kind of like story within a story. It's just a kind of a way to highlight the things, again, without turning off all the other events. You know, you could always search or filter for these events, but we wanted a way to let you see them without losing the context that they're in. So to see them amongst all their other events. And that's kind of what this play button does.
2: Yeah. I think what's so, so important about that view and about, about, about the way that works is that, you know, sometimes if you if you just, especially in terms of history and thinking about history and time scales, if you just list things, you know, out with no graphical rep, visual representation of what the time period might be between those or how close they are or how, or how far apart they are, um, you lose so much of the story, right? Yeah. You know, you need to see that in the context of time, I think is what's so important here. That's,
1: that's absolutely right. I remember um, when uh, we when the Pluto flyby happened. You remember when the, the, you know, little space pro went past yeah. Pluto? That was almost a hundred years to the day of Kitty Hawk. A <laughs> hundred years from like tying a man to a kite. It's <laughs> like, kite. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah um and that's the kind of thing that you get um with, with that you don't that you lose in a list right yeah you know these these rhymes between themes in history
2: yeah like the one that i always think about is um like that sort of speaks to this is is when um when the ancient greek historians were writing about egypt mm. the 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 pyramids were as old to them as they are to us mm. it's like those kind of things just get lost if you just you know if you don't have some way of of trying to
1: visualize that, that's right, that's right. So you know, one of the you know, so we're now kind of thinking about what are the next calendars we want to do. And um, Jason was suggesting, you know, the, the history of companies is 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 fascinating, right? Like uh, RCA, uh, who once stood on the precipice of supercomputing. Yeah. Um, and 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 what was happening at that time, and and seeing that as a list is one thing, but seeing that in the context of everything else that was happening, that's the drama of the RCA story. So we'll so
2: storytelling. I mean, we think of, you know, storytelling is is always has some, some connection to time. And so this is like just basing it there and you, and with the calendar and the horizon view, you, you get to do it over arbitrarily long periods of time and still make it kind of fit together in a thread.
1: Storytelling is reporting. I mean, if I was in charge of Tableau, that's, that would be the rebrand. It's a storytelling <laughs> application.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, Let's uh, let's continue with your development cycle. So you you redid it in FileMaker 12 for using JavaScript, and you uh, you call it you call it Dayback Classic now, right? Um, because it that works with is, yeah. FileMaker 13 through 19. It could work in 19. It was just a, a, it was a web viewer. It was stuff that people had to copy from the their licensed file into their app. Was it easy to install into a, into a a customer's file?
1: Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, it it was, I used to describe it as easy, but tedious. Yeah. You know, before we had add-ons, if you wanted to move code from file to file, you had to do it in kind of a specific order. Now you had to make your layouts, but no content on them. Just make the layout names. So they would be, the layout names would be there for the scripts you imported. Yeah. Um, And then, those scripts have to be there before you paste in the layout contents because the buttons on the layout content need to be able to find their scripts. And so as long as you follow things in that order, it was easy to integrate, but it was tedious and it took a couple hours. And then the big limitation was that it used you know, the FMP URL to communicate from the web viewer back to FileMaker. Yeah. yeah. Which worked okay in Pro, but did not work at all in WebDirect. Yeah. Um, and you got around any Windows issues with the FMP URL too? Yes, we did. I assume you did, yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Um
1: more, more great hacks that we can be proud of now that they're in the past. <laughs> um, and so that's what 19 really did. It solved two of the big problems. It, it, user experience-wise, because we didn't need to use the FMP URL anymore, the app now performs incredibly well in WebDirect. And it's the same setup in WebDirect as in Pro. And then the other problem that add on solve is it's no longer tedious to install it. Yeah. As you know, these add-ons make it very easy to move at least some kinds of code really quickly into another file.
0: Yeah. I'm interested what you think about using add-ons to do that generally. I know you know you do it for dayback now. I actually have a client that I he wanted some code transferred to another file and I just decided to package it up all as an as an add-on and install it that way. Do you see that as a way to transfer code faster and better? from now on, or is it just sort of these full app experiences
1: like Dayback or the add-ons that are in the product? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think following your lead, you know, you guys know, you know, I've been dealing with this a lot more than everybody else, but I feel like we're in the early days of the web viewer or the early days of seven. And we don't really know what we're going to use this thing for yet. Okay. We don't- like 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 in seven, we don't know what's going to become a table and what's going to become a record. And when you do virtual list, maybe there's this. You know, maybe we can put records in global variables. Right? We, we don't even know what we're what we're going to do yet. But I think all those things are people will use add-ons just quickly move code around. Will people use add-ons for version control? Or I don't know. I don't know what people are going to use them for. And and will will a solution be one add-on or several? Yeah. Um, you know, because because the, the way that, the way that add-ons so beautifully delete. Yeah. It's kind of logical, you know? So I, I just don't know. I think it's kind of, a, it, it, it's it's early and, and really, is, yeah, it's cool. What do you think, Todd?
2: Yeah, I think it is early. Um, it's certainly a good way to get a bunch of code into a file. And there's plenty of use cases where that is uh, very helpful, even outside of, even outside of a product. Um, but it is still early. I think we'll see a lot more innovation in this space in the months to come.
1: Yeah, and by early, you know, I don't, I don't mean that Claris needs to do a lot of work to catch up and make it different. Or I mean, early in in our minds, like we don't know what we have here yet. People have, are still trying to are still figuring out what to what to do with it.
0: Dayback is the first example of taking an entire app and and pushing it into a file. You you saw that very clearly when add ons were being talked about. So you do know what you, you want to do with with this add on technology. You want to install an entire app into you know dayback was a separate app that you had to copy over everything. Yep. You figured out I think one of the first ones that I've seen that hey, I can install this entire app into someone's file in a in a heartbeat, right? In a, in a click. So you I think you do have some thoughts about how to use this. Yeah,
1: that's just one use case for it though. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's a pretty amazing anytime you encapsulate a bunch of logic in a new file format people are going to do different things with it and I'm kind of using it for the most obvious use case but yeah we haven't seen what people are going to just like the things people started to do with snapshot link um, you know we don't really know what people are going to use okay. add-ons for.
0: well I the add-on that I was talking about for the for a client it was a full screen one like Dayback is, and I took your model and said, oh, hey, I'm not going to create that special layout where you put stuff on there to drag drop into it. I'm just going to let them install it, and it installs in a whole new layout that they can start using in their, in their scripting. So It makes that's a lot
2: amazing. of sense. So I, I think people will do that because it will be yeah. by far the easiest way to bring, bring a bunch of code in from another file yep yeah and that's not that's just simply using it as a developer tool as opposed to a way to make you know something that's that's shipped as a product
1: yeah you know we we do have this kind of unfortunate language thing going on where we're using the word add-on yeah. to mean both the code that is added like Dayback back or, or a widget and the delivery technology by which that code is injected. you know so I almost want to call it like the add-on delivery technology <laughs> or deployment <laughs> technology it's an the add-on app um but yeah
2: yeah that's a good point it's like that's really the installation right it's add-on installation and um it's it's it, 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 the word add-on has always struck me as a little bit difficult but a lot of the other platforms have settled on it google uses it microsoft uses it
1: yeah i i don't mind it it's you know we, we ran into the same thing we, we called day uh, day back an add-on in salesforce kind of before you know it was a it was a term and with Claris, just because it's not you know it's not an extension. That's a term of art. It's not a template, right? Yeah, it's, an, it's a bolt on. Bolt on is the first thing we called it. It's not a plugin. That's a term of art in FileMaker. Maker. So a lot of the discussion about add-ons is how to update, how to
0: uh, work with the the data that's brought in. Um, but I, I want to focus on updating. How, how? What are you thinking about when it comes to updating uh, Dayback? Obviously not the JavaScript stuff because it looks like you're, you know, you can update that on your site and and then and then my calendar can get the updates. Yep. But how 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 what are you thinking about how to update FileMaker objects or the layout specifically?
1: Yeah, so we're kind of continuing what we did with the pre you know 19 version of Dayback. So in that version, there was a bunch of JavaScript and a bunch of FileMaker scripts and layouts and stuff, and when we introduced a new feature or fixed a bug, sometimes it was in the JavaScript side, sometimes it was in the FileMaker script side, sometimes it was in both. And we had a great way to update the JavaScript even back then automatically, just like now we have a great way to update the JavaScript, we just updated it on our site. But updating the FileMaker scripts has always been a little bit different. And what we did back then is we published instructions. Just, just like you'd think, screenshots of the script maker, and we're like, hey, find line 34 and replace it with this. And that is what we're doing now, and the reason we're doing it that way, is twofold. One is that most of the tough changes, the really complex things, are in the JavaScript side. Yeah, um, you know, it's not that the, the filemaker side is a little was much more discreet. The other thing is that we don't know what parts of the filemaker app script application people are going to be customizing. Right. You know, we thought we did, <laughs> um, and you know, filemaker developers, man, they just want to they just want to get in there and change stuff. So you so, can you,
2: you can't necessarily just assume that just, you know, wholesale replacing a script is a good move.
1: Right, right. We, we, we can't, we, we know the scripts they're most likely to have not modified, or if you did, you're, you know, you're, you're a badass and like, you're going to know how to take care of yourself, but you can't, we couldn't replace the script in its entirety. So we just provide these instructions. And as long as, you know, the bulk of the work is out in the JavaScript, this is working fine. And I, I tell you, you know, the, the other thing about this, that's interesting, I think that The thing I was most afraid about with the new version of Dayback is not the tech or the fact that we're selling it on subscription now instead of, you know, paid once or the new web viewer stuff or any of that. The thing I was most afraid of is that the JavaScript side was hosted, not local. I thought developers would object to that because either they wanted to run offline or they just didn't want, you know, they didn't want to be, you know, beholden to some some you know, company that could go belly up and then there would be no more app or whatever. Um, And that hasn't proven to be the case. But it's only now that the app's been up and running in 19 for a while that I'm really uh, convinced of this. And the issue is, is that before 19, when Dayback was running locally and you downloaded the JavaScript and we would publish updates and then you would download the update and everything was fine, people did not update. They may meant to, they updated it first or whatever, but they just didn't stay up to date. And so what would happen is that eventually, even the coolest vertical markets apps that were using Dayback would be dozens of versions behind. Yeah. And then that little automatic like update and follow the instructions thing gets to be a little onerous. Yeah. <laughs> and so now that the application is hosted, everybody is up to date. And that's a big deal, especially as FileMaker is increasing their release cadence. Yeah, and I didn't really get it at first how like how tough it was for individual customers to fall behind. But they would get behind, you know, your, your two version, two dozen versions behind. There's some feature you want, or some bug that gets fixed that suddenly means a lot to you. And what you thought was going to take you 15 minutes to update is now like four hours of work. Yeah. That just stopped a lot of people like right in their tracks. And to, to take that away and like let the thing just automatically be updated, it's been it's been huge for folks. And, and the support, I mean, obviously for developers, it's easier if everybody's on the same version. The support thing has really streamlined yep. uh, with the team. Anyways, it's
2: uh, we, see that. we see that problem all over the place. And yeah. from, you know, yeah, we get customers who want us to help them with with their FileMaker 14 base based systems. And it's just like And, yeah, I mean, even at that basic level, they have, they might have many roadblocks stopping them from getting there. It's like, well, we only have, um, we have older computers. They won't run newer versions. And, and this just, you know, it's what seems like, oh, we'll just wait a little while before we do these updates. People get busy and something, and you'll find yourself in, uh, you know, behind this wall that you didn't imagine. And now you're, you have to do a tremendous lift to get to, you know, the, to get to the area that, that you want to be in. Yeah, it's really helpful to be able to keep people up to date. Really. Yeah,
1: I really didn't understand how, what, how tough it was on our customers. Um, and it's, it's much easier. You know, at uh, Clarison Gage, I said that the add-ons have shifted our support from helping people install Dayback to helping people customize Dayback. Yeah. And at the time, I was kind of talking about what I hoped would happen. Yeah. <laughs> but that is absolutely what has happened.
0: We talk a lot about the the kinds of apps add-ons that will you know rise to the top and be useful to the most amount of people. One is full functionality and configuration. Two is updating. are Are your clients, are your customers happy with the auto updates? Are they they pleased that they they get the new
1: versions without even thinking about it? I bet you most of them don't even know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right so right. only a little this is this was a common thing before you know it's interesting and um, I, for, I wish i was better with people's names but there's this great book on customer service that says you know defects in manufacturing are cancer defects in customer service are an opportunity and that's the way i used to think about bugs so this was a very common thing that would happen in the past somebody would call up be like hey our calendar all of a sudden is doing this weird thing and we'd be like oh did you recently update your OS or new version of FileMaker? Yeah, yeah, we just moved, to, just moved to FileMaker 18. Well, cool, FileMaker changed the URL protocol a little bit and we have these great instructions and just follow these instructions, no problem. And I was thinking, wow, that's a great, I got to talk to somebody I didn't get to talk to before. I got to ask them how their app was doing, talk a little about their business and we had a great solution for them. So then they would go off and try and do this. And if they were reasonably up to date, they would follow our instructions and be no problem. If they weren't reasonably up to date, those instructions would be too onerous for them. That's right. And they'd call back and we'd do it for them and charge them a few hundred bucks. And I used to think that that was kind of a cool experience because uh, we got to talk to the customer. Now, the version of that happening now is that their software is already updated to work with 18 or 19 or future versions. And so they never experience the problem to begin with. Yeah. And while I miss talking to that customer, that is just much better for them. I mean, much better. Yeah, but also you've got now you're, the opportunities to talk to the
2: customer are not just restoring behavior that used to work, but actually improving on what they're what, by by doing customizations,
1: right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the phone doesn't ring as much, but uh, when it does ring, it's about you know it's about adding value, yeah. Adding yeah. Some value. Yeah. yeah. So you you know so Jeremy, you're, the answer to your question is they don't know because they're not running into. Uh, the things that new versions are required to fix because it's always up to date. Are
0: you using the with option script uh, JavaScript function? Uh, maybe you don't know the, the the full details, but you had did you have to update that because the latest version of Filemaker it broke the how the uh, the JavaScript function works that calls the script.
1: Yeah, we were lucky in the way we we, uh, we designed it. We didn't need to do anything for that. Okay, that's good. But that was just luck, but that's a great example. Of, of, yeah. of this kind of thing right yeah and,
0: and you you're re- you recognize that because you're 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 in an ets and you see the changes to, made to the specific things that day back is going to touch and you you work out a fix and deploy it to your customers without them even ahead knowing.
1: of time, ahead of time. Yeah, yeah i mean since filemaker 7 you know i mean think about that since filemaker 7 every ets file Gets opened here, and and the whole Dayback test suite gets run to make sure nothing broke. Not great that you have to do that. <laughs> um, it would be cool if if you know apps like Dayback were in the test suite that the that the engineers were using. And and at various times in FileMaker's or Claris's history, they have been. Yeah. But you know, yeah. So we do that and run through it and and, and double check. It's a lot less scary, you know. I think when people think about products, they think about this. They think about well, like, the app's going to change, and I'm going to be on the hook for the rest of my life trying to keep my app up to date. And they worry about support. They're like, I'm going to have all these customers. Every year we sell a few more, and eventually I'll have too many customers to be able to support. And, and I used to worry about that. You know, when we were we were talking about like the early days, you know, the first version of Seed Code Calendar, the one that um, that we first released, that was all FileMaker. That had my cell phone number on the back page. <laughs> That's and back then, uh, the, the FileMaker downloads um, page would show download counts. And I uploaded it, and I was super excited. And it was like the first real calendar. There were a couple others. Calendar Monster was there. There were a couple other yeah, calendar people. Calendar but... Monster. Yeah. Um, but I was super excited. And like a couple of weeks later, 40,000 people had downloaded it. And I remember just being completely terrified that 40,000 people had my cell phone number. Yeah. <laughs> But, that, you know, that's not it. The, the, the thing to be worried about when you build a product is building something nobody wants. That's right. Everything else is glorious. That's how I see
0: the, the, the ones that come to the top, the add-ons that will be used by more people, is if they're easily easy to update and they're full of functionality and they're configurable. And it looks like Dayback has those three down pretty well right from the, right out from the gate. Right. When, when FileMaker 19 came out, you were ready with this, right? It, it, this yep. didn't come too soon at too late after the release of FileMaker 19. So very cool. Um, good. Let's see. So you're, you're, what are you working on now with, with Dave Oh yeah.
1: Huge, huge, you know, huge feature list. And of course, you know, if you live long enough, you live long enough to like, you know, regret all the things you've said. I used to complain about FileMaker like having a finishing problem, like, Wow, you exposed a few items in the custom toolbar to custom functions, but not all of them, or to custom menus, right? But not all. Well, we have a lot of stuff to finish. Um, So we're we're working on finishing that. But, you know, we we found an amazing bug uh, yesterday um, that I think is, you know, just interesting to talk about. And we fixed it. But when um, it's one of those bugs that you see and you're like, how has this been in the code for so long without somebody noticing? It was just that just that obvious. And the fact that those things still show up, is just kind of amazing, you know, as a, as a developer. Like anyways, and um, one of the reasons we found it had me thinking about Todd uh, a lot, because we found it using Mixpanel, which is a kind of an audit log for user interaction. And it reminded me very much of the log that Todd put in Gozik Oh yeah. Which at the time uh, was the most like amazing thing I'd ever seen. You know, he had a little custom function and any point in any script where we wanted to kind of timestamp out the sync, we would just uh, set a variable to this little custom function. And it would record this big variable, would keep recording. And if, when the sync was completed, it wrote this thing out in human readable timestamp. And you could see you know, when the sync started and how many milliseconds for every step until the sync was done.
2: Yeah, super important.
1: Oh, my gosh. And the fact that you could, you could uh, measure any step just by adding this one line. We literally copied and pasted it wherever you wanted it. Yeah, That was what was revolutionary to me. And that's how Mixpanel works. It's this little JavaScript thing. Anything you want to know about your application that you want to kind of call out to Mixpanel, you drop this thing in there and, and it does it. So now when we introduce a new feature, we kind of um, start with the press release. Hey, what should the feature, if you were going to tell somebody to bar about the feature, what would you tell them? Okay, good. Let's make sure it does that. And then how do you want to see the feature expressed in the audit log? Okay, well, let's make sure it does that. And then you build it. And it was just, it was, it was, it was cool thinking about that autolog. So I hadn't, um, and then of course I had to tell everybody on the team about the high ASCII.
2: Yeah, you put a high ASCII art in there. Or yeah. not high ASCII, but ASCII art. ASCII art, right. Yeah, um, About yeah. the ASCII art.
1: Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> yeah. so
2: no, because uh, um, we're testing out all these ideas about how to make fat sink. You really needed to know, like, what was the difference between this step and that step at scale? So having that was super important. So things like panel, um, you know, do that at scale, right?
1: Right, right. And, you know, in, in, so in GoZync, you know, we, you think as a filemaker developer, you know what's fast and what's slow. But what GoZync taught us is that all that tribal knowledge that we have, much of it was completely wrong. And the things that we didn't even think about affecting the speed of things were really what was slow. I mean, I would without that audit log, we would have spent days and days optimizing these tiny little parts of the script it turns out didn't actually have much to do with the overall speed of the sync. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think about that a lot. I was just
0: thinking about how Todd and I built the add-ons using for FileMaker 19. And we specifically had asked for the Execute FileMaker Data API script step to be part of how we collect data mm. as an mm. object to send to the library, right? To send to the JavaScript. As I am looking through my copy of Dayback, I don't see that script step in here you're not using it, you're collecting data a different way. Um, And Todd and I and and people at at Geist Interactive, we talk a lot about collecting data. So I'm interested in, do you feel like you need to go and change how you collect the data? Or are you happy with your method? If It it looks like it's an execute SQL statement that puts the data into an array if if I read a script correctly. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Just your data collection yeah. protocol, and and what, how you feel about the future of that?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure we're we're at the end of it, but I, I like where we're at now. So the execute SQL is a, is a, only used in Web Direct. Okay, so the rest of the time it's uh it's just a find request. Okay, and the real reason we're not using that script step is that it wasn't there when we when we started. Yeah, um, yeah. But the reason we're not using it now is. I'm not sure a great reason, but the reason is, is that we like the find uh, request because it's very easy for developers to reason about and customize. Yeah, um, It's very easy for them to add another branch and omit, like constrain, just get in there and mess with it. And and they do. Um, while you can do a lot with filtering, sometimes you want to put a filter in under the hood. right? I never want these events to come to the calendar. So they're going to add this omit or something else. So we kind of wanted it to be customizable, but we didn't want it to be customizable if, if this other function was was substantially faster. And mm-hmm. in our use case, because the JSON's already built, it wasn't exponentially faster or even faster to use the new function. So in other use cases, I could certainly see it, but for our, for the idiosyncrasies of our app, um, it ended up that find requests were just kind of the way to go. So you're using a, a, a JSON, uh... Uh, field that that creates is that right? Yep, there's a field that users don't have to customize. Uh, they yeah. assembles the JSON pb um, expression, and then you're using
0: a list of as a summary field. You're grabbing that from the found set and packaging it up and sending it to the JavaScript. Yep. Right, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful cool. way, and that's how people can collect data. Right, yeah, we still use that.
2: I think the 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 find aspect of it is really important like that's the you know being able to do that it's the same same logic we have with gozinc and gozinc all of its filters are just fines there's no tricky weird bizarre things happening there it's just a filemaker fine and that does that does let people do things that would be very difficult to do if they had to craft sql statements or if they have to understand how to write a data api request
1: exactly right it's not about you know what's the least power law right the least powerful technology kind of win exactly exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I hope
2: that someday in the future we get a way to collect, you know, the current record set as JSON. Right. I think that would be a really nice, powerful function to have, like All a right. list of, you know, or you know, get 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 found set as JSON or something like that. It would be very very useful.
1: Uh, or some kind of composer for the data APIs so that a layperson could do it. Yeah,
2: yeah, maybe, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: You know, we run into the same issue in Salesforce. There's a SOQL, Salesforce Object Query Language. Um, is it's kind of their find request thing. And it's been important for us to be able to tell a Salesforce engineer that, hey, at the end of the day, it's just a SQL query. Yeah. If you want to go in there and mess with it, you, you go ahead. Because then they're like, oh, I know what that is. I know it's SQL, right? So all this magic that I see about the calendar at the end of the day, it's this thing I understand. It's a find request. Yep. That's interesting.
0: I, I I like that idea. I was talking with people on the on a forum about how to collect data, and those two methods came up. And it just makes me, you know, Todd and I talk about it. People here we talk about it. So there's no reason to throw away the list of find mechanism because it works perfectly for you. It, the only, I guess, from what I understand, the only reason why you might change it is if it's if the execute data API script step would be significantly faster.
1: Well, the data, you know, the data API script set does have one big advantage, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that you don't need to go to a layout to do it. That's right. That's right. And, and hey, you know, that's window management that can can go, you know, somebody can break that or they could pause the script at the wrong time and end up with this weird window that I don't know where it came from. So there's stuff about the data API, thing that I really like in terms of its context-free elegance. Yep. Um, but so far, anyways, that hasn't outweighed the the ease yep. of customization. It, and
0: You would have to add additional JavaScript code to parse through that because you get a different it object, a different object, you have to deal with all that stuff. So,
1: so, totally, but you know, parsing that stuff in JavaScript is fast, so yep.
0: yeah, be a problem. that's uh, you know, if I if I want to uh do a plug for the stuff that I've been working that's the JavaScript learning path. We we talk a lot about how to manipulate that new execute data API script step because oh, yeah. that's what. That's what people are going to do a lot with JavaScript is take a found set of records through that step, maybe, and manipulate it to fit the library. So,
1: no, anyway. nice. um, go ahead. Who's responding to that learning path?
2: Uh, people love it. Don and Jeremy obviously can speak to this, but I'll speak. I'll I'll I will I will toot his toot his horn for him. Hey, Todd, you can go on for like ten minutes here. <laughs> so. You know, you have FileMaker developers who are trying. They get it. They're excited about JavaScript, and um, it. But if they haven't done it before, it can be a difficult problem um, to make the make the make the leap. I was talking to somebody actually last night from Australia, who found this really cool library on the web, and they wanted to put it in the Web Viewer, um, and you know, they could make a couple things work, but they just had never, no HTML, no JavaScript, no CSS experience. And mm-hmm. just like, well, this is what it's supposed to look like. So I'll construct this in a calculation, right? Mm-hmm. That's the FileMaker developer's first move as well. It needs to, let me just build this string and put it in a
1: big old calc, yeah.
2: Yeah, and you just let me do that. And that, and that can work um, initially. And especially if you're using some simple libraries, eventually you'll need to learn some things. And so I think what Jeremy's done is... is really helpful and that it gives people who are no file maker and are trying to get some of the value out of this new stuff and need some just need some some lessons and some some guidance on how to start to go from just constructing the the text string to like okay how do i think about javascript and and what can javascript do for me mm. uh, it's actually i one of these days we need to do another learning path which is the reverse which is FileMaker for JavaScript
0: developers.
2: (laughs) But, uh, but, but this one, I mean, I think we, we get, we get lots of people commenting, sending us messages saying, thanks so much. And I think Jeremy just has, does a good job because he's, you know, before he was a file maker developer, he was a teacher. So he understands how to organize information in a way that, that people can understand. And because he's such a, you know, such a, uh, this has been his path he has so much empathy for how what these what these folks are going through that he's really able to to, to build something that that to yeah, them yeah. so yeah it's it. it's definitely definitely for anybody who is really wondering how to get started um, this is the place to start you know, you will get farther faster uh, using that path
0: yeah, I I I think it's working for people. Um not everybody needs it of course, but you know, we've got quite a few downloads and people keep asking me when's the new module of of lessons. So yes. by far the biggest one that I've I'm focusing on now is the manipulate data where, you know, you t- again you take the found set from the execute data API script step or a regular JSON, just a JSON object. And you parse it in some way and you know like using the different javascript functions to filter or to uh, map or do something to each element so that's what i'm teaching because as i was building these add-ons with todd that's what that's the stuff that i did all the time right i was taking this object from filemaker from that 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 request and pulling out elements that I needed, taking out the, the field data key, you know, doing different things. So that's one thing that Todd really challenged me to do was take like a found set of records for the Kanban board, the Kanban board, and use the JavaScript to break it into the correct lanes and columns based on keys inside of each element of the array. And that really pushed me to figure out how to use these JavaScript functions to reconstruct the the object for the library. So right.
1: that's the thing. I mean, that's what we're doing with Dayback. You know, we get data from, you know, all these different data sources, tables and FileMaker that we don't know anything about, Salesforce, um, you know, Office 365, and turn transform them into the object that we expect.
2: A data provider.
1: Yeah. A data provider. I love that. The I love that idea. I think, Todd, that I think that's a great
0: episode sometime. You know, we can get back on and talk about that. Just spend the time on that. I love that idea of a data provider just focusing on that. Somebody could just focus on building the data provider API scripts, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think this idea of a data provider, it's just, it's, you don't see it as much. It was a big thing in the late aughts. Um, Lots of libraries are built that way. But um, it's a neat concept because it just gives you a separation between where the data is coming from and how it's going to be used. And I think FileMaker developers have a legacy of of data being bound to the use really strongly. Yeah. And that makes things simple when it starts out. But you know, you can't do things like build a calendar with multiple sources if that's how you're you're thinking. So this idea that I just need a thing that looks like this and how I build that thing, that's just so important. I mean, that's I don't know. I mean, even from back from probably when I first was talking with John about data providers, I I've tend to have I tend to think about everything I do in that way. It's like, okay, here's I need it to do X. And for that I need this shape data. Yeah. And so then I do that. And then I say, okay, where's that data coming from? And then I construct it into that shape. And that what that just makes things much more flexible. So data provider, it's similar to an API, I guess you could think of it. So that's probably what you were thinking about, Jeremy, is that it's an API. And it is actually. I mean that's a good way of I hadn't drawn that connection, but I think that's that's actually true. Um, that it is very similar to an API.
1: And and Jeremy's right that it implies a separation of roles. That's too. right. Yep. You can have people who kind of just work on this side.
2: Yep, exactly. So important.
1: Yeah. So important. And to and to hand things off. You know, like, it's hey probably. man, you get the object. If you get the object to look this way, it's just gonna show up in the calendar. It's gonna be awesome. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Well, um, we've we've talked a lot about dayback calendar. I I I think we have I I have a good um, perception of a good model of it now and it it's good to really talk about the you, you kind of went through the entire history of filemaker while talking about dayback and you you also brought up the idea of, you know of moving past just filemaker fields and 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 objects and and let you know that that stuff and instead branching out into what filemaker can do you are using insert from URL. You're, I assume you're using insert from URL to get data from other sources. Is that right? Um, is that, is yeah. that how you get data from? They have,
2: uh, they have the full JavaScript
1: engine to do that. So they can yeah. do it that way too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. That's that's what you would do if you wanted the data to come into FileMaker first. Yeah. Um, okay. We don't need it to do that. Yeah. So I guess
0: my point is you're using the entire breadth of the the entire history of FileMaker and all that it's capable to do to to build this product. So. Well, I
1: mean, I can't pass that server part of the proficiency test. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: um, well, uh, this is interesting. I, I do have one more question for you. We kind of touched on it here and there, but um, your, 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 John, your origin story was just uh, put out there. And I know we had recorded it well before even FileMaker 19 came out. Cause you had talked about <laughs> getting uh day back ready for FileMaker 19. Oh, but, wow. You, you mentioned in there that, uh, this is a very interesting thought, you mentioned that um, developing tools like Dayback or GoZinc or Barcode Creator or whatever is the root of empathy. It, the people who do that have a lot of empathy. And I, I'm just I'm interested in that because I must say, at the beginning of your origin story, you were excited about FileMaker because you thought you could make lots of money with FileMaker <laughs> and get really rich. I think you, you said you told your um, girlfriend at the time that, That this is going to make you you rich or something, or somebody somebody had mentioned, hey, you should uh, you should learn this filemaker stuff because you'll be rich. You can make lots of money. So
1: I I I meant we were going to be able to pay our bills for the first time.
0: Rich when you're at a certain. uh,
1: You felt rich when you were young. That's that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is building tools an empathetic action, or is it really just about making money? I'm, I'm. What what's your thoughts on on that? You you obviously said it's part of our empathy it's part of empathy to
1: yeah well the empathy thing came out of um uh you know we're we're looking at calendars and look, looking at the first calendars like you know when when when, when we ru- when i run in the desert i'm often running by these inscriptions that are the some of the earliest calendrical markings in the world um, and people have been you know putting notches on sticks so that they could learn when the ground would would unfreeze again and they could bury the dead yeah It's a very primal um, thing. So we're thinking about, you know, tool tool making in that context. And just the idea that you, you know, if you're going to build a tool for somebody else to use, you're literally envisioning that person using it. Yeah. You are literally, that is the act of empathy, right? You're putting yourself in their shoes and trying to see through their eyes. That is the empathetic action. And tool making is, is right there. So whether you're making you know, a little knife for somebody or something much more intimate, you know, like clothing for them, um, or you're making applications, you're really getting very intimate with what that person is trying to get out of their life. And the more intimate you get, the better a fit that tool is, whether it's clothing or a tattoo or a knife or an app. And so when Todd and I were talking about trying to help people make promises they could keep, That's a level of empathy. That's very different from, I want this app to be a little faster than the competition. Yeah. And you end up with a very different product at the, at the end of
0: that. So good. So good. That's neat. It's, it's nice to hear that because we're, we, we are problem solvers, right? That's the whole line of, of Claris that we are, we've given, we're given power to the problem solvers. Um, I, I didn't think about how it is useful for us or how it, you know, it, I guess, flexes the empathetic muscle. <laughs> if there is such a thing, yeah. it, it, uh, it gives us some satisfaction. For me, actually, as a, when I was a teacher, I built the, for the FileMaker app that my school used because I was a teacher and I wanted the teachers to have an easier way to report attendance and stuff. I guess that's exactly what Not you're right.
1: talking about. Right? That's exactly yeah. it, right? Yeah. You know, if, you, if you've solved this pain for yourself and you want to solve the pain for somebody else, you know, you're right there. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the tool making
0: moment. Yeah, and this JavaScript learning path is is another example, I guess, yep. because it's yep. it's taking my pain and trying to make it easier for people. So, yeah. Todd, what is what uh, tool have you built that's really been an exercise of your empathy?
2: You know, it's hard to put words to exactly, but John's talking about the same the same kind of thing. But there is a the pride aspect to to what people and i don't mean that in a bad way but when people can build something and they can feel prop they can feel proud of what they've done and and you help them do that in some way whether it's through you know a blog post or through you know tools like generator mm-hmm. or fm perception or whatever it is but when you when you get an email from somebody and they are so happy with what they've been able to do because of something you've you've done that's just cool you know it just feels yeah. good and i think that's really what what has always been. Um, I mean, we're, sh- I think, you know, sharing is a human thing. And, yeah. uh, and I think embracing that is just, it's just a good motivator for me. And I think a lot of people, I think sometimes, you know, the money part comes in because we get worried and we get concerned or we get afraid that we're not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z or whatever it is. And so we, we maybe can focus on, on all these things and the, and money's real. Like you need to be able to pay the rent and things like that. So don't want to, di- don't want to di- diminish that, but Um, you know, I think people naturally want to do things that are helpful to one another. And, um, so, you know, that's definitely always been a
1: driver in in what I've, what I've tried to do. That's right. You know, when you get that email from somebody about, I've been able to do something or I'm proud, you know, you have emancipated that person, right? I mean, like there's a, you're, you're giving people a freedom they didn't have before. That's what Jeremy's courses are doing also. And I, I look at, you know, I think when you get so passionate talking about auto and some of the some of the developer automation, that's what you're talking about. I see you frustrated that people have to struggle, yeah, and you want to remove that struggle, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. we got a call I got a call. usually you get a, a call on the tech support line, and it's like, oh boy, I got to fix something for somebody about three weeks ago, and somebody was called just called me up to tell me that he just wanted to thank He just wanted to thank us for auto because the first time in years. He didn't have to work on the weekends.
1: There you go, man. Look at that. Look at that.
0: That's it, man. That's it. I don't, I don't know how other communities are, but I feel like the FileMaker community is full of this kind of stuff. They're, they they uh, want to help each other out. They definitely want to help their clients out, their customers. So it's um, is, it, is this true for every tech language out there, every platform out there?
2: I don't know. I, I think some of them are. I think developers, these kind of creative people um, definitely show that I think JavaScript can be that way. You know, all, all communities have their ups and downs, but yeah, I mean, I, I it's hard to really know FileMaker is definitely a special place for me. because I've been here for so long and know so many people, but, so I can't really speak, speak to what it's like elsewhere. Um,
1: yeah, right. uh, but yeah. I, I
2: guess I wouldn't claim that, that other communities aren't this nice cause I don't really know. Maybe they are, <laughs> maybe they're, I, they're just as nice.
1: You know, you're making tools for yourself is the first step to like making tools for somebody else. Yeah. So I, I think this impulse is really there in any kind of developer community. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Good. Point. So, John, this was a great conversation. I loved hearing more about Dayback and your empathy and just that idea. I think it would be good to explore the empathetic side of what we do a little bit more. Um, so I'm glad we we got to spend some time. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Well, before we go, what uh, what else is going on in your world that you'd like to share with with our audience?
1: Oh, um, swells up this weekend. So it should be good, okay. sir, even though it's going to be cold and rainy. Um, um, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I think like everybody else in this like pandemic time, I'm missing my friends. So I'm kind of I'm interested in what's going on with the suitcase protocol, which is the, the new iteration of pause on Air. And um, what Martha's is, Inc is doing, sending the suitcase around between FileMaker developers in the United States. It's kind of, oh. it's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: I, I saw that. I haven't explored it. I think um, I need to sign up for it if it's not too late. Um, and
1: yeah, I to talk about it. I'm not exactly sure what's in the suitcase. Cause I haven't, um, I haven't gotten it yet, but okay. uh, I'm intrigued.
2: Yeah. It, it sounds really neat. And we'll make sure we have a link in the show notes to, to the to the page people can find out more about it but this is another example right we have this community and people trying to figure out what to do and we've had this great organization the you know the pause on error thing which john helped to found in the in the early days and now is run by martha and her crew and um and they're doing this new thing and to try to help people through this stuff and i think that's 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 yeah like
1: like how do you do face to face and how do you get the community together in this in this time. Well, turns out there is a way. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. I'll make sure there's
2: a link in the show notes about that.
1: Well, thanks for having me on you guys. It's really nice to talk to both of you.
0: We, we do need to have you come back though, and just let you two chat about your, um, You
2: you know, you know what else we should, we need to put in the show notes, John is the link to that video.
0: Oh, you
1: have a video. Okay.
2: Yeah. We have a video of John and I programming over like three days.
1: Oh my gosh. That video. And
2: it's really funny.
1: It is really, no, I don't think I've been,
2: I've been, I don't think I've ever been that funny since, <laughs> and I never was before.
1: It was pretty good. We were, we were a little altered.
2: Yeah, we were, loopy <laughs> and not on any like chemicals. I don't know no,
1: what it, was but, it yeah. was, but that was when we were running. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, My first really long run was with Todd. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> yeah that, that's a good video. If you, if you feel like putting that I out like there, you really really must. It's funny. I'll okay. find it, good. All right, well,
0: thanks, thanks, John. Thanks, Todd, for joining us today and uh, appreciate your time. We'll have you back soon, okay? Bye, Bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to John for his discussion of Dayback and the history of developing in FileMaker. And I'm glad to hear that what we do is an expression of empathy. If you're so inclined, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast reach out to us at support at geistinteractive.com if you have a topic idea that you'd like to talk with us about or give us an idea for a future episode. Until next week, and I truly do mean next week, the Context Podcast is keen.